0: Hello, I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the April 5th, 2021 edition of Digging Out. This program offers a means for getting past November 3rd, December 3rd, January 6th, 21, January 20th, 2021, clearing the debris of the last four days, four weeks, four years, four decades, four centuries and beyond. Today, my guest is Silvio Carillo journalist, activist, and artist. His moving interview recently on background breathing brought to the fore the motivations for Central American refugees that keep getting missed. Precisely the topic for today's episode. Silvio Carrios, the California director of BertaCaceres.org, his intimate connection with her, which we'll hear about. His many platforms where he's produced breaking news include CNN, Al Jazeera, the South China Post, the New York Times, covering the war in Iraq, numerous U.S. presidential congressional elections, the 2009 coup in Honduras, and many more. In his current position as senior digital video producer on ABC7 in San Francisco, he's producing, filming, and editing feature stories for the premium content team about underrepresented communities in the Bay Area. Silvio's work springs from lived experience and the loss of his aunt, assassinated Honduran rights defender, Berta Caceres. He comes to us today from his home in Oakland. Welcome to Digging Out, Silvio Carillo. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a squeeze play for Central American inhabitants. Their leaders are cleaning up in lucrative trafficking businesses and their neighbors are brutally tormenting them at home. So perhaps it's a rational decision for Central Americans to find safety elsewhere. What will feel like a very short time together, let's break down Silvio, the structures of the root causes. Could we consider the form, the triangle, specifically starting with the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, that sort of the triangle geographically, politically, financially, and commercially, and meteorologically, meaning that there's a climate force here, the US roles in creating the conditions that force Central Americans into making difficult, but I submit rational choices to flee.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just such a big question, right? It's such a I big I know, topic. I understand. And people, you know, maybe here in the US, you wouldn't necessarily think about what that decision takes, right? You're, you're just sort of like, well, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't, you know, that's crazy. They're bad mothers, they're bad parents. They shouldn't. Why are they bringing their kids to the border? Like, that's just so unreasonable. And I think what we don't understand is what is really happening in these countries and why these situations are created and are supported, are continuing to exist. And it's hard for Americans to sort of look in the mirror and and acknowledge the fact that we are creating these problems. Our government, our State Department, our military is creating these problems. And, you know, it's not where there's a direct link. You kind of have to put the dots together. And so the dots, they begin places like the Pentagon and in leadership in places like Honduras that are trying to exhibit a strong rule. And so the Pentagon says, well, let me help you here. I got a few instructional manuals. I got people who can train your military and your police to do this and that your security forces to maintain order, to fight drug trafficking, justice. We have teams of excellent lawyers who have worked in our justice system here in the U.S. to come to your country and teach you how to properly conduct court, any kind of justice system. We can prop up your systems and and legal systems and, and help you uh, make sure that you are, you know, law and order, that your country is safe, that you, your people are secure. And so that's the discussion that is happening at the State Department, at the Pentagon, in the presidential offices of these leaders in Central America. And of course, they're going to buy into that. They're going to say, ah, the U.S. is going to aid and help us to maintain order in our countries. We're going to be the shining light in Central America with democracy and blah, blah, blah. The problem is these are corrupt men to begin with that we are dealing with. These are flawed, incredibly flawed people who, who have gotten to the positions in their countries with corruption, with ties to drug traffickers from Colombia, from Mexico. Honduras is a shipment point. It's a place where the drugs stop and are distributed to come to the U.S. It is for our use. It's not to be sold here. Let's be clear about that. The Honduran population does not buy or or, or use these drugs. They are innocent bystanders, literally, because there are places in Honduras that are very remote where the drugs can land and then are shipped here to the U.S. And so that's where the U.S. government and the Pentagon, Defense Department and state start to come up with these plans to fight the drug trafficking. But the drug trafficking involves the leaders many times of these countries including the police, including the gangs. Now, realize the entire time I've barely mentioned the citizenry. The people in Honduras aren't involved in this. They're just trying to feed their children, trying to educate themselves. And so if you have all this going on with your government and our government here in the United States, what is falling to the citizenry? Nothing, literally nothing. The government takes up their land to build dams like my aunt berta was fighting against she had organized a group of indigenous people to fight back against a company that was trying to build a dam the the dam was not for the benefit of Hondurans. the dam was for the benefit of the people that owned it so they could sell the electricity so again they were being left out of the equation this is just one parcel of land they were trying to remove indigenous people who ate off the land, who drank the water, who lived off the land, what happens when you do that? Where are they going to live? How are they going to eat? How are they going to educate their families? They have to leave so they end up on our borders.
0: The infrastructure is a displacing of the uh, available water supply and I mentioned the meteorological sort of triangulation mm-hmm. here, yeah. confounding factor. so that with the climate change, adding more pressure to any kind of sustenance career, uh, sustenance uh, livelihood for these the residents in Honduras. And then I mean, I'm mean, i wondering if all this, I mean, lots of the infrastructure building the drug trafficking trade. So I imagine infrastructure like landing pads in those remote areas that displaces. So the displacement is the economic triangle, the climate change confounding factor, the triangulation of governments earning, the president earning, or Juan Orlando Hernandez and his recently convicted and sentenced brother, a legislator, Tony Hernandez, that they're all about the drug trade. That's probably where, I mean, their connections, their resources to be elected successfully, that triangulation of the drug economy.
1: Yeah, that triangulation, the judge, I guess, essentially didn't fine him, but he said, Tony Hernandez had to return $140 million. Where did that money come from? Whose money is that? Like it is shocking that you're you have $140 million you have to give back because you essentially stole it from the second poorest country in Latin America. What kind of person does that? And why isn't our State Department following the DEA's lead? Why is one agency denying that this is occurring when the DEA has just convicted and sentenced him to life in prison? and have to return $140 million, which is probably only a small amount of what this family actually has now made off the backs of Hondurans.
0: And his brother, the president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez is a co-conspirator in this case. And he has, as you've tweeted out, that he has raised a public relations firm that is sort of building his brand, I hate to say, that is upholding him in what could become litigation against him in the American court system. So, I mean, that's another rating of the the Honduran treasury resources that could be used for those residents who don't feel safe, don't feel like there's a civil society that can educate their children and that triangulation. The triangle for me is like a really tight model for the root causes that keep injuring the inhabitants of Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And that support from the U.S., I mean, this began in, well, this began decades ago. This, is a, this has been a decades-long problem that we've helped to foment. I shouldn't have been born here. My parents had to flee because in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the U.S. was propping up dictatorships to fight the Cold War. And then in 2009, it harkened back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where there were coups almost yearly in Latin America, some initiated by the CIA and the State Department and the Department of Defense to get leaders that were pro-U.S. into office. And so in 2009, remember who was president? It was Barack Obama. It was Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Joe Biden was Vice President. They didn't like the democratically elected President of Honduras at the time. And the Honduran government, the National Party decided, who that Zelaya was not a part of, Zelaya was part of the Liberal Party. The National Party decided to create a coup. And it was backed in the end by the US, by Hillary Clinton, by Barack Obama. And then subsequent to that, Joe Biden created the policy for the Northern Triangle in the following years with help from State Department. Those people are still surrounding Joe Biden today. Yes, it's it's wonderful that Donald Trump is no longer in office, but we have the same people that were in office in 2009 when this all started. Those are the same people surrounding Joe Biden today. So it is vital, it is essential that we tell our Congress people, that we tell our senators, that we tell the State Department that we can't continue with this outdated policy. The Cold War doesn't exist anymore, but I think there are many white males in power who believe it still does and are still happy to fight that fight.
0: But I'm wondering, CDBO, if the Cold War is not so much a consideration with how deeply ingrained the drug economy is in that northern triangle in Central America. Does, does the whole drug trade just replace the kind of relationships forged in yes. sort of propping up anti-communist regimes? It's now yeah. it's the it's all it's the drugs.
1: It's the drugs. It's it's the drugs. Stupid, Where the market you know? <laughs> is on this side is a border. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly it, and that's what's happening. And so the uh, drug trafficking trade because it happens in the dark in places like Honduras we don't know what that's like you know we don't lo- know what it's like to live with that in your backyard and so we just see the res- the result of that drug trade is at our border is with children who are now detained by ICE that's the it's result like-
0: But Sylvia, excuse me, but I'm not so sure the Honduran and Central American experience of it is in the dark. I'm gonna suggest, and you can confirm, I think, that Mm -hmm. it's really out there. It's out there in the broad daylight. And that's the torment I was trying to sort of uh, allude to in queuing up that heavy, that uh, uh, unwieldy question is that they're living it. And that's why the rational decision is to flee danger and find safety.
1: No, that's absolutely right. I think when I when I was referring to in the dark, it's in the dark to us here in the U.S. Okay. We pretend that it's in the dark, but you no, know, those of we do Central Americans do understand not just Central Americans, but Latin Americans do understand that this is happening all around them, and they have to get on with it. They still have to feed their children. They still have to educate their children. They still have to find better lives for their children. But this is happening all around you, and your government's involved. How are you going to fight back? What are you going to fight back with? You know, and then that's exactly right. They end up on our border and that Cold War mentality has been replaced by the drug interdictions efforts that, the you know, this is this is the process. The U.S. decides that is is the best process. Like, I think there are better ways to do this. And that's what Berta, my aunt, was doing. She was trying to make it so people didn't want to leave their country. She was trying to empower indigenous people to live and grow the land that they were on, that they have always been on, did not originally belong to white settlers from Spain. It's indigenous land. And that land is a land that has been cared for and used by these people. Only they know the best practices to survive with the land. That's why they've been here for so long. And we're sitting here destroying it and kicking them out. And these are the people who are gonna save us
0: For those of you who just tuned in, my guest is journalist activist Silvio Carrillo, giving context for the movement of refugees from Central America, particularly the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, to the U.S. And we're recording this on April 2nd. So the triangulation of another part of the commerce is the gun sales. The drug sales are in a triangular sort of piece, as are the gun sales. That's a very lucrative also enterprise that there is no appetite on the northern side of the the Mexican American border to address the flow of guns that are tormenting the Central American residents. Yeah, and that
1: the gun trafficking seems to go both ways, right? They end up here on our streets, especially in California. Um, they end up in the streets in Mexico. Um, they've got to protect their drug shipments somehow, and so there is a massive drug trade that traverses the border. And again, who 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 ends up as the victim in all this are the people who are trying to just survive each and every day to feed their families. I mean it's it's grotesque. It doesn't seem anymore. It's so frustrating to me if I sound angry. It's because I get very very frustrated by this because people are just trying to make a living. It's like those mothers that some administration officials uh, from the last administration were saying are horrible horrible mothers and it's just it's shocking to me and like I would I, I love my mother dearly, but I would never say she was a horrible mother for making me come up here and get a better life. Like I, I worked at CNN, I, wor- I went to university, I have a master's degree. That would not have happened had it not been for the awful journey my parents had to make a decision. They had to leave their family. They didn't wanna come here. They wanted to make their homes a better place. Like every other person that is not from this country.
0: And how baked into the trading going on in this triangle we're setting up here is that the president, Hernandez, has made no secret of how he's trying to expand the drug trade. He's been quoted. It's not It's not a subtle point. He's like a, a drug kingpin. In a, would that be a stretch to say?
1: You know, I, I, I can't. It's shocking. And I can't, I obviously don't know him personally. I only go by what I've read. And yeah, it sounds to me like he is a rather confident person when it comes to this role that he's been playing as a facilitator of protection with traffickers. His brother, who was just convicted and and sentenced in his comments to the judge, he just basically said that he felt like his wishes weren't being communicated. And and the judge was shocked. It was a little, I think, taken aback by the hubris, by the confidence that this man had. He would even stamp his cocaine shipments with his initials. Wow. I mean, how is that? Yeah, I mean, you, it's complete wow. impunity. And that's not anything new. I mean, we're here five years later, still fighting for justice in Honduras to get the, the real killers, not the gunmen. The gunmen are in jail. These are low level people, the real killers for uh, who assassinated Berta Cáceres. They are people associated with the government. They are people that are associated with the oligarchy that helps to keep the government in place. Some of the wealthiest families in, in Honduras are implicated, directly implicated in her murder and five years on, we don't have any kind of justice when it comes to getting the masterminds.
0: And to add to the triangulation going on, the media, I'm really frustrated with the role the media is playing in not bringing a critical look, not offering enough nuance, at any nuance to this. And Chad Wolf, the acting, he was never confirmed as the director of Homeland Securities. And Chad Wolf got the beginning of this week from the National Public Radio platform, and there were other platforms as well, an opportunity to push out his Wolf Global Advisors, his newly founded firm, and he was giving immigration expertise to national public radio hosts. So that is like another spinoff of the misery perpetrated on Hondurans and other Central Americans. You wanna comment about that? You were seeing what Chad Wolf was talking about this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, these major media outlets, and and this happens both in Honduras and and here in the U.S., in Honduras, the problem is that all the major media outlets are owned by people who are part of the oligarchy. So they are getting a scant amount of the reality that is occurring in their own country. And so that has brought about other means of communication and media that are more left-wing, but tell more of the truth of what's actually happening. But journalism in general in Honduras is not great here in the U S it's a business. And so they're looking for names. My name is not, you know, like uh, Chad Wolf or my name. Well, I mean, who would you prefer to put on the, air? like, Oh, Chad Wolf. Yeah. That guy, uh, you know, he was in the government. He must know something. Well, you know, I, would, I, I would be happy to argue with Chad Wolf and put him in his place because I don't think he understands or knows the reality of, the pe- of what the people have been living. And I'm sure he's more than likely not against previous administrations policy in Latin America, where we have helped to not just kill people, but we have helped to maintain the power structures that have caused this border crisis
0: today. So media's role is certainly enabling and reinforcing this idea that like with the White House press conference last week, that's another triangulation with trying to get the Biden administration to talk only about what was happening at the border. There wasn't a very vigorous curiosity about What will the Biden-Harris administration do as emissaries deep into Central America? This was another enabling untriangulation that was a missed opportunity to teach Americans about root causes.
1: Yeah, no, there's. uh, I was extremely frustrated by that press conference and there are people there that are not seemingly are not educated enough on the root causes themselves and so there i think they're afraid to wade into those waters um, i certainly had my own set of questions that i would have asked
0: what would you have asked
1: joe biden like well i would have i would have rebutted his statement where he said he made a claim that he said that he his programs that he created after you know while vice president for obama helped alleviate some of the people fleeing their countries. Um, I would counter that and say I they're in a worse state now. I mean, if you look at the GDPs and any indicators in those countries, they're worse off now. And it's not just about the hurricanes that hit Honduras. It, the amount of education they're getting in Honduras right now is nil. They're not getting vaccinated from COVID, even though the president claims many people are. It's fact. I think there's been a lot of reporting on it from the, from the proper media channels. The economy is tanking, and there is colossal malnutrition in Honduras. This is all due to the government. The, the government is busy with its dread, drug trafficking and paying for PR companies to do PR for them in the U.S., and not paying any kind of attention to its population. And so like, that's what I would say to Joe Biden is like your program failed. And it was a lot of the same program that was in place before where you're giving money to white-led, American-led organizations. For instance, Association for a Just Cause is an American organization. They have a Honduran branch, but they're told what to do by the white US American leaders of this organization. And uh, Associates for a Just Cause, I specifically point out, because the former ambassador to Honduras writes op-eds with the guy that leads this organization. He's a Calvinist, and his name is Kurt Vandebeer. And he and the former ambassador to Honduras Write op eds on occasion about how they need to continue the flow of aid money to Honduras. This aid money, as we all now know, has been siphoned off by the president of Honduras. He has said to
0: the drug infrastructure
1: to put it back in the drug infrastructure to pay for his campaigns, to pay for his political campaigns, to pay for his defense here in the US. And so, like, what is what, this? These are our tax dollars. Let's be clear about that. There are our tax dollars that the US government is giving to the Honduran government to defend themselves here in the US or to buy military supplies from the US or to train security forces in Honduras that are killing Hondurans for standing up for their rights.
0: So I unloaded an unwieldy opening question, and I guess the it's an, a rude symmetry. I'm gonna unload an <laughs> unwieldy closing question about prescriptions, Silvio Carrillo. So understandably, the Biden administration is trying to manage the situation with haste because there are a lot of people that are in a very small, many spaces along the border. So have a number of prescriptions in mind, but I want you to suggest either in order of importance, or you've, you've already talked about us engaging our legislators, mainly on the federal level, but what do you want listeners take away what prescriptions that are effective?
1: Empathy. I mean, uh, I, I would start, You know, I'll, I'll go into the legislative in a second, because I wanna make sure the listeners understand what is out yes. there being done but I would say empathy, like speak to your neighbors, speak to the people that serve your food, that take care of your children, find out about them. Like, what is their story? Why are they here? And understand that they did not make this decision lightly to come to this country and and understand how vital they are to us. You know, white people aren't going to go pick food in Central Valley in California. White people are not going to take care of our children during the day when we're at work. You have to understand that there is a need. You know, the restaurants start, like if you go out to eat or, if, you know, you have, to, you have to go to work, you have to, who's going to work in the food stores? Who's going to put the food into the food stores? Like who does that? Think about it. Those are needs that we have here as people who are aspiring to You know, make change, but we have people here who supply us with constant things that we need or want to survive, and so somebody has to do that, and it's generally going to be people of color who are trying to not just find a better life for themselves, but here, but for their families back home. We need to support the infrastructure at home so that they are able to choose to stay home, so they are able to create leaders like Berta was doing and trying to do. Berta wanted to empower women, empower more people of color in Honduras to stay and create a country that they could be proud of, where they could be educated there, create leadership, proper leadership that is not corrupt. More women in office, which is what we should have all over the world. And it's shocking to me that people can't see that But there are legislators in office, our country, who do see that. And so they've come up with some legislation that can help. It's a start. And so one of the things is H.R. 1574, which is a House bill. It's called the Human Rights in Honduras Act, which would negate aid to the president of Honduras until human rights violations are investigated. There's a Senate bill that has also been introduced just this year. That was a huge, huge undertaking and achievement. That one is S388, the Honduras Human Rights and Anti-Corruption Act of 2021. That was introduced by Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon. And so these bills hopefully will go into conference at some point and maybe we can come up with a law, but we need support. We need people to reach out to their congresspeople and senators and say, I want you to sign on to this. If not, tell me why, because I'm going to tell you why you need to.
0: So is there any local government role here? Because I'm taken by when the attention's directed toward the obvious federal arena, there's sometimes a local government, a closer relationship that listeners have that might be having potential that could be carried out as well not to overlook that, if that's an opportunity. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, what I'm trying to do here is make sure that Berta's legacy is kept alive. And so, it, like for instance, in, in the bills, we are trying to make sure that Berta's name is in the bill. And the reason for that is because we wanna make sure it's, it's not just about Berta, but it was Berta's mission. And what she was trying to do and so i also hear locally i've just spoken to a woman who is going to allow a mural to be painted on her wall and i'm going to ask my neighborhood representative for the funds to do that because we have that ability here in oakland and so things like that to show solidarity with the people of these countries that come here at extraordinary you know it's it's not an easy decision to come here we don't want to, but we're here. And that is a way that you can show support to do sort of things like that, to attend rallies or talks or get educated about the role of women in Honduras. I mean, I, I'll just point this out real quick. Honduras is one of the highest rates of femicide in the world. Why at, is that?
0: At, um, you, at, at a fetal and uh, or at, um, no. at birth? With- or you're talking about any fe- uh, any... Female in society at any
1: murders equality. of females in society, and additionally, you bring a, 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 a that's a good point that Honduras also has one of the most restrictive ab- abortion laws in the world. That is completely illegal in Honduras, and that's because of the power of the Catholic Church, which is aligned with the National Party, which is aligned with the drug traffickers. <sighs>
0: we just read history. <laughs> It's it's shocking. There are lots of, um, there's lots of assignments in what you've given. I hope listeners take all that to heart and they keep looking for that nuance and they call it out with their media and call out media for not raising that nuance and interjecting this in conversation. Thank you, Silvio, for this much anticipated opportunity for your clarity and your nuance and condolences on the loss of your aunt every time you bring her up in your movement politics this is like yanking the scab every time
1: yeah i know absolutely i, I uh, recently got a message from a friend who who said uh every time she hears berta's name her heart stops and you know it doesn't matter the context uh, mine does as well and um we miss her Mr. Uh, she's not gone, she's not forgotten.
0: Well, thank you. My guest was journalist activist Silvio Carrillo giving context for the movement of refugees from Central America, particularly the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador to the U.S. We're recording this April 2nd. Thanks again.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you.
1: This isn't the first time they've hired a PR firm. They've had PR firms since 2009 where they're paying them thousands of dollars, including uh, Lanny Davis. Lanny Davis was paid tens of thousands of dollars to lobby on Capitol Hill in favor of the Honduran government, in favor of this coup. He was a major player. Laney Davis is, is not an angel. He has repeatedly been involved with dictatorships or corrupt politicians and the Clintons. He's a yeah. part of that group. So don't think just because people are Democrats, don't think just because we have a Democrat in office that everything's fine. In fact, that's where the problems began.
0: So your prescriptions, just we can't, they don't take a chunk out of these entrepreneurs that are finding where to make the big money with the government and the illicit drug trade. So how it's just an unwieldy asymmetric situation. So if Lanny Davis is making money, Chad Wolf, Eric Prince, and I mean, we don't, I mean, imagine the others we haven't called out. So we're just going to keep working on raising people's understanding from intimate conversations. I mean, how can we go after this?
1: I mean, that's a that's a huge, huge question. And I think-
0: But I got to ask it though, cause I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think legislation with Berta's name on it sends a signal, you know, it's a beginning. All of these things are beginning because we've never actually bothered to have this conversation before. The fact that you and I are having this conversation is sadly a huge achievement, but, but this is the stuff we have to keep doing. That's why we have to keep talking about Berta. That's why we have to keep talking about this legislation. That's why we have to keep talking about why these people are at the border, you know, and, and why they should matter to you and me as we make our lives here in the United States. We're not doing this alone. There are people who are providing us with services. There are services that have become a part of our daily lives and so numerous, in fact, that we can't survive without them. And so think about that. But, you know, remember, too, that they came from someplace that we helped to pillage. I mean, it's like I saw yeah, a, yeah. a tweet earlier this week, maybe it was today, in fact, about how a metaphor about a, a, we provide a boat for these people to get on and then we are firing missiles at that boat. You know, that's essentially what we're doing. And so like, why get your head around why we're doing that or how we're doing that. And, and it's true, that's essentially what we're doing to these people. And then they just swim to get here, you know? Like how many more obstacles can we provide and then lure them to get on this boat?
0: Well, and I don't know how conscious beneficiaries on this side of the border are that the destabilizing of name, which society, which country, destabilizing it creates a pipeline. It creates this, that's the economic triangle. It creates a pipeline for undervalued labor for all these things. I mean, we sort of alluded to that, but how conscious is that decision is? Well, it's a guarantee people will do these jobs if we just keep destabilizing where they came from. And we'll pretend like we're incensed about the crisis at the border, but please keep bringing your, your servants.
1: Oh, it's completely yeah. That is uh, completely conscious. It is a it is a decision people who own farms make. It is a decision uh, many many industries make. And without that labor, they can't survive. And they know that, but they don't. They aren't necessarily for immigration reform or for providing these people with proper pay or proper working conditions. I mean, the the wine growers here in Napa. Even during the fires, had to still be picking grapes where there wasn't damage, necessarily. You know, and, and then so, go into
0: uh, overcrowded housing,
1: and they go <laughs>
0: <without laughs> any kind of
1: protection. horrible housing. Yeah, I mean, and and then you know be exposed to COVID. You know, uh, like it's just it's shocking how we treat other humans because they're a, they're a different color or they speak a different language, and these are the people who are closer to the land than we will ever be and yet just treat them like they are dirt. But I
0: I wanted to
1: explain how even I also, you know, that that this isn't a new problem, you know, that 40, 50 years ago, the same thing was occurring and it's occurring today and it's gonna occur tomorrow. And why are we continuously just doing this? Why aren't we changing our policy? And that's that's all I meant.
0: So thank you for all that you're doing and take care. Be well, be right, safe too. and healthy. You. Likewise. Bye. Thank you. you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Talk with you next week. And I thank you for listening.